Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we're joined by Ben Hughes from the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, DSDN. This is a really fabulous online support for the Down Syndrome community with a great focus in parents of children from zero to three from diagnosis on. Specifically, this time of the year, they have in-person retreats for moms and dads. And so we talked to Ben about those. We talk about the online network and their Facebook page and a little bit about his seven-year-old daughter, Elliot. This is one of those interviews that gives me hope that things are changing for our community and for the parents that come behind us. The information that's now within our reach, the community and the message is changing the narrative. And it was such an honor to meet and speak with Ben. So welcome, Ben Hughes. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Let me remember where you are in the country. Just outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. We know a lot of really cool people from Michigan. Yeah, we do know a lot of cool we people know from a Michigan. Lot of really cool. Michigan has some pretty stellar individuals. We are uh, America's high five, as they say. So we have to be cool. <laughs> For real? Is that what they really say? Well, because of the hand. Uh, it's shaped like a hand. Yeah. A buddy of mine in college had a shirt that said America's High Five for Michigan. <laughs> That's great. So I'm on the board for the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, and I'm also one of the retreat directors. Um, and we have upcoming retreats for our moms and dads. So our dad's is August 4th and 5th in St. Louis. And then our mom's is uh, September 15th through 16th in San Antonio. And so this is our, gosh, what, sixth or seventh retreat that we put on annually. Um, so I was just going to share a little bit of information about that if you're interested. Oh, when you reached out, I was I, I, I thought of the concept. I was like, oh, this sounds great. I'd love to yeah. learn more, hear more, and spread the word. Yeah, no, I love it. So Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network is the largest national nonprofit serving new and expectant parents who receive a Down Syndrome diagnosis. So it's from like, so prenatal diagnosis to birth. Our focus is really on parents with children who are zero to three um, and, and getting them accurate information because uh, as, as you likely know, a lot of the information out there is very... Uh, one-sided, negative. Uh, it's getting better. It's very skewed in misperceptions. Yeah. That's what we discovered. Yeah. So our, our co-founders, Jen Jacobs and Heather Bradley, started Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network back in 2014, uh, really with the focus of how do we change that experience for new parents and make sure that they have um, accurate information, unbiased information, um, but then also we do a lot of focus on working with providers as well and, and trying to get them the right information to, to support a new parent with that diagnosis. So it's really a cool org um, that I've been involved with for the last three and a half years now. 
So when you say providers, you mean the medical community, the doctors and correct. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's something that we really feel like it needs to be worked on. Yeah. So a really cool thing that happened for us last year was the American Academy of Pediatrics now lists DSDN Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network as a resource for new new and expectant parents. So that was uh, <laughs> the result of a lot of hard work from our medical outreach team to get us added as a resource there, which we're really excited that it came to fruition. I wish something like this had been around when Liam was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we are happy to pass this information on because it's really the goal of our podcast is to get that, the information that helps us or and, and the correct information because yeah, I think- Yeah, we were mentioning, remember when you Google Down syndrome, just the uh, what comes up, you're just like, wow, that's what, that's what happens. I mean, you know, 90% of the people are going to be using Google and that thing that pops up is what you got. And the picture is a horrible picture that's been around for a very long time with very, um, I mean, I think maybe some of the information may be correct, but the rest is skewed in opinion. And I think as parents of, who have just received a diagnosis or a family member who had, you know, who wants to support, they look it up and I, I feel that all it did was propagate any kind of misperception or just all of the the negative yeah and and then that gets perceived as truth and then that's what carries on so i i'm so ha- i'm so happy it seems to me that's kind of written by to somebody to found you right? oh yeah i know because this is from people that are generally involved in the community um when you think of the information that you usually get like google or however it's kind of a an outsider could be a medical professional, could be uh, someone that's maybe not 100% impacted directly by someone with Down syndrome, and they're just looking at it from maybe a medical point of view or what they're observing from far away, education or whatever it is. And we know when you hear the stories of people that are directly impacted by this and, and involved in this community, yeah, uh, it's a different story. So I pulled up your website, and this is really fantastic because under About Us, you have a a place where people can uh, request materials. Yeah. So a lot of our support, so we have over 21,000 members within the DSDN community. We're primarily on Facebook. Um, So we we have our website, and then we have a lot of different uh, support groups. So we, we have what we call birth groups, right? So everyone... When you join, you're placed in a birth group based on the year that your child was born. So it's like the first half of the year and then the second half of the year so that you're going through that diagnosis journey, that raising your child journey with people who are going through the same thing, right? Because we find that that peer-to-peer support is hugely impactful. Um, Even like my wife, uh, so I have a a seven-year-old daughter, now she's seven, who has Down syndrome. Her name's Elliot. She's nonverbal. She has autism. She has some GI issues, Hirschsprungs, a lot of the other common diagnoses that you see with people with Down syndrome, congenital heart defect, et cetera, et cetera. And my wife is incredible first and foremost. And, and like we go to the doctor and things like that. And she knows more about these diagnoses than they often do just from some of these peer to peer groups and her own research, et cetera. And, and that's where I think there's so much value from just talking to people who are going through the same thing, which is a lot of what we try to facilitate with these Facebook groups, the retreats, et cetera. Um, so 
there's the birth, birth groups, there's medical condition groups, there's parent specific groups for like single parents, divorced parents, uh, black families, Hispanic families, as many different subsets as we can get, right? Just because there's there's so much out there and there's so many unique things and having that second opinion or that experienced voice to help out is is really, it's helped us tremendously. And I, I we hear that from our members as well, as far as the support they get there. Well, I think it's important that you have different subgroups, although like, you know, the overall goal is for us to understand that we're all connected and on this path. Right. But I think just I, to have different voices uh, because different voices and different marginalized groups have different experiences. Yeah. Any IEP that I've gone into and I know how hard I fight and I'm fighting in, in my, in my first language and, uh, and I have information at my hands and I always wonder about anyone who doesn't have the information or if English isn't their first language, that how they're impacted because of those extra hurdles. Yeah. And they shouldn't be extra hurdles. The The supports are supposed to be there for, for everyone, you know, as far as having a translator. But I love that you have made accessibility for different marginalized groups as well. I think that's very important because that that journey, as much as I'd like to, as much as I wish that it wasn't different, it is different. And I think that that is really important tool to have. Yeah. And it stops any intimidation or any reluctancy to join a group if for some reason you uh, have different demographic you want to be around. I mean, that's just is how... It, it is sometimes where people go, well, maybe I can relate to this person better because we're going through the same thing in the same community, you know, but it, at least it's there, you know. How does the uh, retreat, how do the retreats work? Yeah, so we have one retreat every year. So this year, like I said, we're in St. Louis for the dads and, and then San Antonio for the moms. But it, it's a variety of different things, right? Like, so mostly it's a chance for dads and moms to have a respite weekend, right? We don't bring kids. Uh, it's it's moms only or it's dads only just to have some time to have a weekend away to rest, relax, recharge, and then spend some time with people who get it, right? People are going through the same thing. People who you know from your online community who maybe, you know, I'm in Michigan. Uh, I've made some really good friends who are in California, Oregon, you know, all over the place who are going through a lot of the same stuff. And they're a great resource for me to bounce things off of if I have a question and vice versa. Um, and then at the retreats, it's it's kind of a combination of, of like the opportunity to learn, right? So in St. Louis, we're gonna have uh, a self-advocate talk to the dads. We're gonna have someone from the Marin Fund talk to us about what they offer, someone from the Pujols Foundation, the local org. Uh, let's see, we got about four hours of talks planned right? Just to, to hear a little bit more. Oh yeah. And we have a researcher who's doing research about uh, Down syndrome and um, Alzheimer's. And just to talk a little bit about the connection there and what he's learning. Um, he's also a father of someone with Down syndrome. Which, so it's like that combination of, of knowledge, fellowship, spending time together. And then we, we have fun too, right? So we're going to, we do like a dad's night out. We're going to a, a, a bar in St. Louis that has a bunch of vintage, um, video games and things like that and just hang out and have fun and then we're going to do a, a suite at the cardinals game right and just have have fun <laughs> more than anything a chance not to to think about everything too much but you really it's really what you make out of it right you you get into it what you put out uh, out of it if you 
if you stay and you sit by yourself and you, you're like, I don't know anybody, I'm not going to make any friends, you're not going to have a great weekend. But if you go and you'd let your guard down a little bit and have fun and talk to dads, you don't have to talk about your kiddo with Down syndrome if you don't want. Inevitably, it always ends up there. But <laughs> you don't have to, right? It's it's what you make out of it. So this will be my third year going and it's been incredible every time. Well, my my brain is like splintered because I want I wanted to ask about your daughter first and how you came came to this organization. Yeah. But also, since we're here, now you said you cater more towards uh, children that are zero to three. Is that for the retreat as well, or no? So, our our online resources, all of that is really catered towards zero to three. But then also we're catered toward like fostering those lifelong connections, right? So making that ongoing support. There's there's a lot more support out there for, um, you know, as your children's aging, as they get into adulthood, all of those kind of things. So we really want to focus on on that initial, that diagnosis experience, what you can expect. The retreats, it's it's anyone. Anyone who has a child with Down syndrome can join. You just have to be a member of, of DSDN, um, which is a really long, complicated process of joining a Facebook group. Uh, <laughs> and then you're a member. Uh, but I think our average age for the dad's uh, birth year is like 2016. So we're looking at six, seven years old. So we really try to get more of those new parents to, to get them those resources and connections. But and any age is, is welcome. I think that's really important because I feel I feel like those are the years that bring the most exterior challenges and, you know, and I was just talking about this, that I think it was Liam is 13 now. And about three years ago, maybe it was about three, maybe four years ago that I just for the first time I took a breath and I could just sit with where Liam was and see him really, really see him. And, you know, we've spent our life advocating for him. And, you know, being there present for all of his therapies. But I think those first years, there was a lot of fear about who your child would be. You know, those are the years where there's so many milestones. And we have a daughter who is neurotypical. And so as well, and you know, there's that comparison as to the different, the different developmental delays or going out to a park, like everyday things like the park the grocery store, a restaurant, all of those things became so overwhelming, whether it was someone just that we didn't know approaching us with like, oh, they're such an angel, or someone that we didn't know, you know, giving us some um, unsolicited, unsolicited, (laughs) you know, telling me where I could put him because nobody wants our babies, Mm. you know, and those kind of things. I feel like those are the years because while we're doing all of that, we're also trying to contend with having a newborn where, you know, whether it be an additional sibling or your first child, you know, those are the years that for everyone, you're always on your toes. You're, you're, everything is changing and developing. And I feel like during those years, we get robbed of the celebration a lot. And it has nothing to do with the journey. I really like, I am a firm believer of the fact that our challenges did not come from the fact that our son had an extra chromosome. Like if we would have had a supportive doctor in the NICU, I mean, medical wise, they rocked it, you know, as far as science goes, personal wise, oh, horrible. And if there, if the, if those words coming out of their mouth, 
would have been ones of hope and support and you know like the pediatrician we found or that we have that was just like Liam's gonna reach his milestones he's gonna reach them in his way and his time um you know the list of things that they give you to just say these are some things to look out for it would have helped us more. Like if we would have been given that list with our daughter, it would have been like, ah, thank you. But that's not, that's, thank you for letting me know that these are things and these are the supports and this is how I handle that. But none of that is, and I'm, I too am hopeful for change, but none of that was available to us. And because of that, we became very isolated. We knew parents, but we didn't have, uh, we didn't venture out to any of the great support groups that are out there because we were so shell-shocked that we just were like we're gonna stay here and we're gonna we're gonna be in our before covid we had our own pod and we just we knew that that's where our strength was and um it would have been great to have had just to have the information and to know that you're connected and everybody's going through the same thing and it's not what they tell you on the outside, because you never get the same advice from someone who's on this journey. You don't get the same information that you get from someone who just like has read it in the book, but had no real experience for, with anyone with Down syndrome, you know, and um, this is really fabulous. I love it. Also, you know, when you've met a bunch of people online and you're kind of going back and forth, it's a great opportunity for a lot of people. I mean, I'm assuming not everyone gets together, but to just kind of make that connection, you know, face-to-face connection. And then when you go back after this retreat, you go back to the online relationship for a year. What a difference that must be. And and then, you know, you probably make specific connections even deeper or different when you're in person. And then you can go from there. It sounds sounds really great. Yeah. Whether you do or don't talk about Down syndrome on the retreat, whether it's like, I'm just going to take a break and talk about the nail polish that I, I have on my nails, whatever it is, if that's what you need for your brain, you know, I can relate to going to different uh, meetings and gatherings with at school where nobody was on my journey. And again, I just, the, the word isolating comes to mind because nobody really understands unless they're on this journey. Like they, they really don't. And I think that that would be such a, a freedom. Yeah. Even if you don't want to talk about your kids, just a freedom because there are so many other things that we do or how we feel like someone can just know or have an, not know your journey completely, but have an insight into what we do. There's like, there's not, I don't, didn't you feel that way? Like when we're, when, when we'd be around other, just their conversations and. Even without talking about it, just that you're there with a different, with people that you know, even if it's unsaid, unspoken. They understand. You're, you're, you understand things and you can kind of get past that and talk about what a gift. whatever. Right. What a gift. Well, and it's, it, you know, when you're around your peers who aren't going through it, your, your child with Down syndrome almost defines you to them. Right. Like, oh, you're the special needs parent. Yes. And it's going to be harder to be friends with you because we're going to have to work around this. And, you know, maybe I won't try as hard. But when you're around people who get it, it's like we don't even have to talk about it because we, we all know. Right. Like and we're all on the same journey. We have different steps in that journey, but it's very similar. And it's it's a really big weight off your shoulders in many ways. Just real quick before we continue, since the registration is open, do you want to talk specifics about like costs and stuff like that? Is yeah. that something you want to talk about? Yep. So registration is open. Uh, technically closes in July, um, just so that we have enough time to prepare. Uh, costs four hundred dollars. That's for both the dads 
and moms, both are the same cost. Uh, that includes all of the events, uh, meals. It doesn't include the hotel room, but we have a block of ho hotel rooms at a discounted rate. The dads will show up, typically like half of them show up a day early just to reconnect with everybody because it's a really tight group. Um, we're expecting about, we're hoping for about 50 dads. Uh, right now we're at 40. Um, and then moms is usually around 400, uh, which is is huge. It's it's a great event for the moms. The moms will have lots of vendors there as well, different organizations selling t-shirts, swag, stuff like that. Um, dads, since we're smaller at about 50, we don't have as much of that, but uh, the dads will typically come in that Thursday night before the event uh, just to reconnect and have like an unofficial hangout night. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really good time. So uh, online, I'm seeing that the dad's retreat, uh, the registration closes July 1st. Yep. But, but you, might you might extend, extend it for bit. the dads? We, we might. Um, it'll get close just because it's the August 4th and 5th. So we have to be able to have all of our materials. Um, typically, we'll, we'll do kind of one-off registrations after that if someone reaches out and, and it's like, I really want to go um, and we're able to accommodate it. And then for the moms, it's August 1st yep. is when the registration ends. And that's for the September Correct. is that retreat. And they go over a weekend. Yeah. And you gave details about the dads uh, go to St. Louis Cardinals game. Correct. What's the mom's uh, retreat look like? So the moms will usually, since it's a bigger group, they'll usually have a bigger name speaker come in, uh, which has been really great. And then they'll do a mom's night out. Uh, where they'll go out. I think they'll usually go to like a bar or a comedy club or something like that. And then they'll have more on-site events um, for the moms, just because the group is so big, it's harder to really facilitate something similar to like a Cardinals game or something like that for the for the dads. But the moms are staying at uh, the JW Marriott in San Antonio, which has a really cool lazy river. It looks like they're going to have a great time staying on premise. Uh, but since it is so big, they tend to do more like on-site type activities for the moms. I'm looking at massage chairs. Yeah, there you go. And some yoga. That and, fun. Um, so if you're a dad that that is just hearing this and wants to go, they can, even though the registration will be closed, they can just reach out like one-offs just in case. Yeah. Reach out and see, right? Yeah, just reach out and see. Yeah, they can send me an email. Um, if, it, if for some reason it's closed, my email is uh, ben at dsdiagnosisnetwork.org. It's also on the website, dsdiagnosisnetwork.org. Great. We'll put all of this in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, put we'll it reach in the show notes out. too. The retreats look amazing. And the great thing is, is that these are annual, correct? Yes. So if this year is like if too much of a crunch for your schedule, you can look forward to it as uh, something to look forward to for next year as well. Yeah, and join the Facebook page. Absolutely. If you're in Facebook, if you just search DSDN, um, it'll pop up. There's also links on the website to join a, a birth group. So how did you come? How did you come to the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network? Personally, yeah. Personally. Yeah, personally. So I. Oh, all of it to my wife, um, as, as any good husband does, right? <laughs> so we had a prenatal diagnosis for our daughter, Elliot. She was born in 2016. And so we found out at about 20 some weeks, um, did the, you know, the genetic test. There were some abnormal markers on our ultrasound. So they ordered the test. It was confirmed that she had Down syndrome. And so at that point, 
you know, everything changed, obviously. And my wife started doing a lot of research and trying to find resources and understand what's out there, found DSDN, started engaging with them. We like to do things all at once and very complicated. So Ellie was born in 2016 in June. Uh, in September of 2016, we moved to Nashville. <laughs> so she was about three and a half months old at that point. Uh, and then at five months, she had heart surgery. <laughs> so it, at the same time, we were buying a house in Nashville. It was uh, a lot at once. Um, and then my wife went to her first retreat in Chicago for DSDN. So we drove up from Nashville, went there. She had a great time, loved it, went to the next retreat in Arizona. And during that time, I, I wasn't super actively engaged yet um, because I was you know, going from one job to the next and just trying to figure out life with a less than with a one-year-old, right? <laughs> Who was um, a handful. I mean, she was tube fed until 10 months old and, you know, just a lot of typical medical stuff that, that comes along with uh, raising a child with Down syndrome. Um, and then I saw, I, I joined the dad's group. I saw that they were, they were recruiting for a board member. And I said, you know, this is a good way for me to get involved more, for me to help out. And I applied and, and <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. Um, so I've been on the board for three and a half years. And then I just became a retreat director this year to help plan the retreat. So it's, it's been a whirlwind, um, but it's been incredibly helpful. Like I would say more so on a on a personal level, right? Just being able to connect with other dads, being able to 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 share without judgment, to share with you know with people who just understand who aren't going to be like, "Have you tried this, that, or that?" And and like, of course I have. <laughs> like this isn't. We've been doing this for seven years now, <laughs> so um, it's it's been a really really great journey for me and my wife. We we learned that people we finally got to the point where we learned that people are trying their best, and it's just that lack of information that's out there. Yeah. But I think every parent gets their fair share of um, help. Help. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't yeah help with the air quotes and uh and it did you know and that's something that would be great to talk to other parents about too because you it I think it makes you angry because you know I, I don't think that you have a voice when you're talking to someone who's coming from and in the gentlest way ignorance but it is because in society there hasn't been much inclusion and I don't think that I don't think society as a whole uh has really uh progressed very far from the times when our children were institutionalized, like education shouldn't feel like a gift or a favor, you know, thing, things like that. And I, and I feel like that is the remnants are still there. And that's why the help that we get um, comes from just people who don't, they just don't know. What, what did you know about Down syndrome before Elliot's diagnosis? Uh, nothing. To be, to be perfectly honest, like nothing. I I had never, I'd never really like known if I truly wanted to be a dad. Um, just like going through college and all that. And then when I met Dana and we talked about it, and I was like, yeah, of course. Like I, I want to be a, a dad with you, right? Like I think for me it was about 
about finding the right person to do it with. Cause like on my own, I was like, ah, <laughs> I'm too, I'm, I'm too selfish to do this or, or, you know, like I'm too concerned about me. And then when you find that right person, it all made sense. Um, and then little did I know that I'd get to be, uh, super dad, <laughs> I had super dad's the wrong word, but like extra dad, you know, like, and like Ellie still wears diapers. Right. So like, at seven years, I never like thinking about being a dad. I thought like, oh, diapers will suck for like six months, a year, two years, whatever. Not not seven, <laughs> but it's been great. Like I wouldn't change it for the world either. But yeah, so no, I I knew very little about Down syndrome. Uh, just a quick about the diapers. I, I remember uh, those times changing diapers, and I look back at that and I think about how I thought of what changing diapers would be when I was in college, let's say, but it's such a beautifully intimate thing to take care of your child like that. Yeah. And, um, not that I miss changing diapers, you know, but I mean, <laughs> those moments are different now, yeah. but in a time when you, maybe I couldn't, uh, have some of the intimate moments I have now with my children when they're older, those were the, those were the moments I had with, with them when they were younger. And, and uh, I look back, and and they're so meaningful moments. Yeah. What grade is Elliot in? So she just finished DK, the developmental kindergarten, and so she'll be going into kindergarten in the fall. Um, in our school district, because she has a June birthday, so she was kind of borderline. So she got uh, an extra year of ECSC, so early childhood special education, um, because of where her birthday fell, which put her like slightly behind as far as her age goes with her peers but she she absolutely loved dk she has her two best friends that were in the in her class that every day she'll come home and she's nonverbal, but she has some signs and so every day she'll come home and she'll be like kinsley in london and and those are her best friends that she'll she'll babble about whatever they did that day and we're just like this is great but we don't know what you did, but it's great. You're so excited. And we're so excited to share this moment with you. Like, and, and just cause it feels like it's such a proud moment for her, which makes it even more like such a gift for us to enjoy that. Um, even though we don't know what she's saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, totally. I, we just we, came we across just came a video across, and, and Liam yeah, was last about, night. Yeah. My art, we have them all on our phone and they were all these, videos of Liam doing the same thing where like yeah. some of his words were intelligible because he was he was singing Moana uh, next to his sister and it was all of these like beautiful sounds and just like watching him sing and I think he was about the same age about seven when Moana was out but it was frozen wasn't it no, it was, I, <laughs> I it's not uh, frozen it water. water. It was regular water. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think that's about right. Yeah, and he was kind of signing too a little bit. He was. And um, mm -hmm. what it reminds me of, as you're saying it, and, you know, and when you say, and she's still in diapers, and I wouldn't have imagined that. I remember as a parent of Liam, and he wore pull-ups to kindergarten, kindergarten. and mm -hmm. he wore pull-ups, I think, uh, and we worked on the potty training and we didn't push him. Um, I just remember in first grade saying, okay, Liam, we're going to wear underwear today and whatever happens, happens. And every, everybody, like our daughter was allowed to have accidents. And I feel like we were striving to a point that like 
like accidents like he had to be perfect he, he had to be perfect yeah. and 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 when he was finally ready whatever age that is and we said all right this is what we're gonna do and let's just see how it works and we told because what happened was because he had pull-ups on the teacher saw that as a we don't have to take you to the bathroom yeah and he'd or come ask him if he needs or to use ask the him if he has right. to use the bathroom so he'd come home with like a really full pull-up and very quickly we were like we're not gonna do that we're gonna we're not gonna do that to our yeah. child and I remember when you said, you know, let's put underwear here's a on couple him. pair of underwear in yeah. the bag, and, and here, just like you do for every kid, and go to school. And then everyone was on board, and they just asked him. Maybe the first day, they asked him many, many times. times during the day, "Do you need to go? Do you need to go?" Like after each little thing they're doing at school, and <laughs> he made it through the day. I mean, it was like going, "Oh, I don't know if he's going to ride the bike," and then you get on a bike and you start pushing, and he rides. You know, it's like it just. It taught me such a lesson about raising the bar, you know, like how, how I can do that more even for myself. I look at those videos now and I'm like, oh man, that was so amazing. And I feel like I robbed myself of the joy that was there a lot of time. Because, what, at the time? Yeah, at the time. Mm. I really did because there was um, this this judgment of not what he was able to do, but what it meant if he failed, what it meant if there was an accident at a time when all kids have those accidents, right? It just, it was a little bit heavier. And I look back at the times when he was, um, like when he was doing the babbling and then saying some words, but he was signing. And it really took us until maybe maybe his IEP in third grade when they were always trying to tell us what he couldn't do, uh, that I said, my son has learned a second language to communicate with you. Like he has his first language. You don't understand it because you, not you, but the teachers, like yeah. they, they dismissed it as babbling. I'm like, oh, he's communicating. Yeah. He is talking. Look at his face. Look at his, like he has this, he, he works at a higher level of intelligence and that's not what it's looked at, but he's definitely working at a higher level of intelligence that he's, uh, oh, I understand that you don't know what I'm saying. Now I'm going to learn sign language and I'm also going to gesture. So maybe if you don't know sign language, but- And it, get it, animated. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it took like, it, like every day he'd leave first grade and he would tell his teacher, thank you for being my teacher. And they, the teacher never even learned how to sign back to him. And it was just like, it took me a, a long time to just go, you're the adult. Yeah. So it, that's your choice, but don't try to limit my son when he's clearly able. But there are some things that have to come into play before you can see his ability. And that, it, and that honestly is something that's been um, becoming more and more concrete in our lives and our understanding of our child and mostly because society doesn't understand. Um, and it took us a really long time to get to the place where we stopped trying to prove to other people. Uh, I don't know if you're there yet, <laughs> but it took us, it took us a really long time to just be like, you know what? I don't have to prove to anyone what he's able to do. Yeah. Liam gets because, because I don't like it as an adult when I have to prove who I am or what I can do. You know, we don't, yeah. we do it a few times. Like if we're interviewing for a job or if there's certain like people need to know if they can, you know, if we can do something, but it, I mean, any, any adult would be miserable going through their life, always proving themselves. It's not a burden that should be placed on our, 
on our children. Yeah, agreed. Ellie has it lucky. She's uh, she's a bit of a, a mini celebrity in her school. Um, <laughs> like when she's out for doctor's appointments, things like that. All of her classmates are asking where she is, and she loves going to the principal's office. She's like buddies with him, and it's just so funny hearing some of these stories. And I'm like, that's that's so that's so who she is. Um, she's just a, a a bundle of joy most of the time. I mean, if you ask my wife right now, she's not very happy with her. She's not in a very big mom mood. She's more in a dad mood. So whenever I'm around, it's like, oh, I love you. Come here, give me hugs. And mom is like, no, no. <laughs> it's, she's great. That's a milestone. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a teenage girl. And as parents, we're just figuring it out, like, all the time. It doesn't matter, like, a, a parent of any child. I mean, the truth that I actually share with my daughter is that I'm doing my very best. And i I might get things wrong, but that is great because then you have the opportunity to get it right when you're a parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for her? For her. <laughs> you can get it right. That's funny. But, and just learn I'm, from my mistakes. I could be teaching you how not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. And one of the videos, and I just say this because like, I think there's just a share from a, you know, Liam's 13, but we just saw this video of a speaker doing a commencement speech for... What college is it? Oh, it's in uh, Northwestern in Illinois. Yep. And he talks He's about... He's the governor of Illinois. It's really beautiful. We'll put a link to it. And can we put a link to it before I promise a link? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I probably could. But it's, re- it. you know, it's really beautiful because he talks about kindness. Mm-hmm. And he talks about it as being evolution and that that is a higher mind. And I think that's my new standpoint on my son. Because my son is one of the kindest people... You know, he's a he's a human, but he doesn't he's not malicious. He's he's never unkind with an agenda like he might do stuff that we don't want him to do. And that's every child. But he's kind yeah, and empathetic. And the, the speaker at the commencement speech talks about how this is a higher intelligence. It's evolution. It's, like, uh, it's evolution, like uh, coming from a higher mind. Yeah. Our, our like animal brain is just judgmental and maybe standoffish for people that are different or things that are different. And we've developed empathy and kindness as in evolution. And so um, it's easy to go the other way. To, to be kind takes the evolution and effort. And so he ends it with most often that he's seen is that people that are kind are the smartest people in the room. And I yeah. was just like, ah, hey, Liam's the smartest Liam. in the room. <laughs> I love that. And I'll strive to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because you're at seven... And I know that's a lot. And I'm so glad that she's uh, a celebrity in her school. Um, and that brings me such joy because I feel like kids, I feel like kids get it. Yeah. You know, kids get it. And it makes me also happy because you're coming through. She was born six years after Liam was born. And just hearing that we are making steps. We are we are making progress for families that are coming behind us there, you're having a different experience than we, we did. And that, that is really beautiful. And then you're changing the experience for people who are coming behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Changing the future. Yeah. It's important. Um, Ellie at school um, with, with her, her peers, there's a group of girls in her, her grade. They're all younger than her, but the teachers call them the mom squad. 
because they've just kind of taken her under their wing and like they'll help her with things and, and make sure that she has what she needs. She's keeping up. It's really, really cute. And those are her best friends. And like, so the mom squad. That's really lovely. Yeah, it's amazing. We should all help each other that way, you know? Yeah. I, I know. It sounds like she's in an inclusive classroom. She is, yes. I mean, I, I, I think whatever is best for every family, that is what is best for every family. But as far as inclusion goes, you know, it's not just for our kids. You know, there are benef- the benefits to our children being in an inclusive classroom are the basic benefits of being included and feeling of belonging and not being segregated, which is the opposite and nothing ever comes good from that. But the benefits to society and the rest of the kids in that classroom exceed on a different level. It gives them the gifts of that higher intelligence, of empathy, of kindness. And, you know, especially like I was so surprised when our daughter went to kindergarten and kids are already developing that like there were already a group of mean girls in her in, in, in her kindergarten class. And if that is changed, if that that journey is changed for everybody in Ellie's class and for that group of girls, like what, you know, like I don't I like superhero movies and the whole like... <laughs> Or everything, I'll be a little bit more hybrid, everything, uh, all at, everything everywhere all at once, where you see like the different paths people's lives can take from any decision. And that decision of having Elliot in the class and what did it do to that mom group? What, did it, what has it done for their future yeah, and for, 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 for their lives mm-hmm. and everyone in that class as, as you go? And then even further, society. And even further, because every parent that we've really talked to who's had a child with Down syndrome, the the benefit to their life, the improvement to their life is exponential. Yeah, we've always said that for as much as Liam will use his inclusive classroom as a way to uh, model off of other kids, which we've said too, there's like plenty plenty of reasons not to model off of a (laughs) typical sixth grader or whatever grade he's going to be, seventh grade now. Um, Liam's an asset in the classroom. Liam's teaching those kids things just by them observing how he treats people, how he acts. What about not to judge a book by its cover? Right. Because you know kids going into it, they probably don't expect what they actually end up experiencing with Liam in the classroom, which is Liam's Liam's ability to do the work. Mm-hmm. Liam's ability to be there and participate and like they're not expecting that because that's not what they've been told and yeah, so this whole inclusive experience is building a, a better future for everyone yeah and our fear is always are her peers gonna accept her are her peers going to play with her are they going to understand her are they and like you know you have those moments where it's like oh my Gosh, is she ever going to have like a sleepover experience? Is she going to ever? And and you you grieve for that, but then it's also like, but she's going to have her own unique, incredible experiences that will be better than whatever we had. That's the goal, and that's what we're trying to create. Yeah, she's going to have uh, those experiences and more. You know, it just yeah, it's it's going to happen. There's it's just going to happen. Well, I think those are the fears of every child. Like, will they have friends? Will they, you know, that that's with every, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many chromosomes that they have. Right. But do you feel it? Cause what I feel like is on this journey that I may have had those same concerns for my daughter 
And then, you know, maybe I'd be with another mom and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's, and you're taught not to compare your kids at all. And so it was like, all right, well, we'll just see. But then with Liam, it it just is a different weight, right? And I just mm-hmm. want that not to exist. Yeah. I just want that not to exist. Like we, I, I want, I want parents to not worry when their child is born, if their child's going to get married or mm-hmm. if their child, you know, like I, I know plenty of adults that have opted not to be married and it doesn't, they don't have any. We know plenty like, of adults with Down syndrome that are married. Yeah. So it's like, no. I just, it will be nice when parents don't have to carry that around as if it's something extraordinary and a concern that is only theirs to carry because their child has a chromosome because it's what every parent wants for every child right and it would be nice if parents on our journey in this community could have a little bit of lightness which goes right into your retreat that they can on your your retreats to have a little bit of respite and and share information if they want yeah and i think that's so important and the advice that i would give to any new parent would be find a support group find like whether it's a local community or if it's dsd doesn't matter like find people who are in the same ish boat right because that will be huge for for everything (laughs) moving forward it's been huge for us it's been huge for everyone i've talked to just to have those peers to to talk to and bounce questions off of ideas like it's it's really impactful I think it helps us fill our bucket so that then we can, we as parents can exist in an inclusive society. Like we, we can develop empathy for people who don't understand. Yeah. You know, we can develop that patience when we get comments or questions so that we can handle them better. I know as a, as a mom of a child with down syndrome, like I always felt like I had like, just like Liam is held to a different bar in his classroom. I didn't allow myself the, all of my emotions because I knew that it would be possibly viewed as something else. I knew that it would be attributed to something else. And, and I think it's really great that you're offering parents this, this respite where we can, it's not where we can just, you know, heal a little bit of time to heal so we can go back out and, and be strong again, because the truth of the matter is this journey can, can beat you up sometimes. And I think really those, those initial years until you find your footing, until you're clear on, I don't know, like for me, I just took a breath and saw my child, but I got to admit, he was like nine before I could pull out of all the other things that were coming my way. You know, all the other concerns, the therapies, the fighting for his education, all of that. And, and when I could do that, it, it was free. And I felt like it changed the dynamic in our house. I think it changed just all around how I even functioned in the world. Like I was going out, like we, we'd go out, like we were putting on this armor every day in the world. And we don't have to do that. We don't. And I think it's really wonderful that you're offering that and that this community now has these resources available. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for changing the journey for the parents that are coming behind. Yeah. I mean, I love the organization. They're doing a lot of really good things, but it takes a, takes a village, you know? And so 
I'll throw one last thing out there. So I don't know if you're going to the National Down Syndrome Congress in Orlando, um, but we will have a booth there as well. Um, if people want to learn more about DSDN, I'll be there um, volunteering. So it's July 19th, 20th, and 21st, I think. Um, so we'll have a booth there. And then we are also hosting Thursday night, like new parent sharing sessions. So I'll be hosting a dad session for dads with a child zero to three. And then we'll have a mom's one zero to three and a mom's four plus. So just an opportunity for parents to come together, chat, talk about things. There's no set agenda, uh, just an opportunity to share. And is it only in person or will there be Zoom accessibility it's as well? It's only in person. Okay. So if, if people are going, it's, come say hi. Wonderful. I'm so happy that we got to meet you today. Yeah, thank you, Ben, for joining us today. It's been really great. Same to you. Thanks for, thanks for doing the podcast. This is awesome. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then.